Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And before we get stuck into the special Christmas edition of our star surgery, a word about our new sponsors, Anthropology. What are you doing? I'm a mantelscaping for Christmas. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) It's like tablescaping, only it's on the mantelpiece. It's about styling a beautiful arrangement of your favourite pieces, adding in some Christmas decorations so that you have a lovely festive display to enjoy. And our shiny new podcast sponsor, Anthropology, have so many beautiful pieces I thought I'd have a play. Do you mean you're putting things on a shelf? (laughs) There's so much more to it than that. It's about showcasing your favourite things. And I'm loving grouping these curvaceous Delaney glass candlesticks that Anthropology have online right now. And I've mixed in this monogram Wonderland scene for a festive touch. Well, mine's got a clock, a few photographs and a couple of candlesticks. I mean, maybe I could make more of an effort. It is the one bit of my house that doesn't need decorating at the moment. And if all your lovely things are still in boxes, you should check out the new House of Hackney collection at Anthropology. Those are all words I like. Tell me more. Well, it's the signature House of Hackney... British eccentric style married to the artisan vibe of anthropology. I mean, it's literally like a marriage of my two favourite brands. Honestly, I'm all over it. I'm in. So this scaping business, rule of three, different heights? Yeah, that's the sort of thing. You need to make sure you are keeping it interesting by layering things at different heights to give the eye something to travel along. Anthropology's buying team are geniuses at finding beautiful objects that surprise and delight you with the unexpected giving you the confidence that they will all work together. But aren't mantelpieces supposed to be symmetrical? Candlestick at each end and something pretty in the middle? Well, you can totally do it that way if you like. Anthropology has an expansive, carefully curated collection, including candlesticks, vases, picture frames and trinket dishes to choose from. Oh, and do check out the Georgian Viv decorative Georgian houses. I think the advent calendar could find a place in your oh-so-stylish home. Well, it's not quite stylish yet, (laughs) but I do love that idea. And I'm on their website now. There's also a gorgeous House of Hackney and Anthropology vase I have my eye on. Maybe I'll have that at one end with a pair of candlesticks at the other and do my layering that way. Exactly. See, we'll make a maximalist of you yet. Don't push it, Tiger. Or should that be leopard? (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Anthropology, for supporting The Great Indoors. And to support you getting your Christmas mantlescaping game on, Anthropology are offering you lovely listeners a discount. From the 1st to the 21st of December, receive 20% off Anthropology Home with the code 
Sparkle. And this offer excludes furniture and cannot be used in conjunction with any other offers and does not apply to previous purchases. Now, on with the show. We enjoyed the last style surgery so much. It was great getting stuck into all your questions and have a, well, a debate, discussion, disagreement (laughs) about the best way forward for all your decorating dilemmas. So it's back on with the paint-flecked lab coats. And out with the tape measures and let's get stuck in. But first up, I should just highlight that listener Mogma Reed messaged us on Facebook group to ask if this episode was going to be okay for her nine-year-old to listen to. And I'd just like to establish that we are firm believers in the magic of Christmas here at The Great Indoors and we'll be expecting a visit from Father Christmas again this year. I've had my chimney swept specially. Our first question is from Verity. Hi Sophie and Kate. Verity here calling in from New Zealand. I absolutely love Christmas lights and everything Christmas. I'm obsessed with them. Um, But here in New Zealand it doesn't get dark until quite late at night and so although I love putting up Christmas lights and they look gorgeous at night time, they tend to look really unsightly during the day and I wondered whether you have any tips for how to style Christmas lights so that they do either fade away or look really cool during the day as well when it's not dark enough to have them all lit up. I think I've got some advice for Verity and that is the type of Christmas lights that you choose to have on display. Now typically they come with a green flex and that's because those sorts of lights are designed to go in the tree with the green flex being hidden by the foliage. So I'd say if you've got Christmas lights that are on a green flex, make sure they're hidden within the foliage. So that's either tucked right into the tree so that you're not seeing it. Or if you're draping it around a mantelpiece or down a table or anywhere else you might have it, just make sure you've got foliage hiding the green flex because I just think that looks really wiry and ugly in the daylight. Alternatively, there's lots of clear flex lights available uh, which are for other areas of the home they look particularly good against pale painted walls I mean if you've got dark painted walls you might as well just go with the green flex because that'll hide but if you've got pale painted walls uh, then think about having uh, Christmas lights on a clear flex or the other thing which I do because I'm pretty I pretty go for it with the Christmas lights oh you don't say decorative lights <laughs> Oh, I do. I do. Like you, you say, do surprise I mean... me. Sophie goes for Christmas decks in a big way. <laughs> so I also have decorative lights, ones with little lanterns on or coloured balls. And those, again, look just as nice when they're switched off as they do when they're on. That's a good tip. I mean, that's the key with lighting in general, isn't it? You want to try and choose something which looks good off and on. Mm, you do, really. And in a similar vein, Jude Askey Brown wrote in to ask us... What are your thoughts on Christmas lights in terms of colour? Ice white, warm, coloured or blue? Then there is the style. Do you have them fixed? Do you have them twinkling or do you have them flashing? I'm already already flashing. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) The the thought of blue flashing Christmas lights, I actually find I'm struggling to breathe. Um, But yes, obviously, each to their own. It's Christmas. More is more and all that. But... I like a fixed warm bulb and and that is that is all I'm afraid I don't want I find the twinkling and the flashing I just find it's a kind of strobe effect and it irritates me particularly I mean we have always had our Christmas tree uh, in the same room as the sitting room. And so we perhaps turn off the bigger lights in the evening when it's that season and just have the lights from the Christmas tree on, which makes a nice kind of atmosphere. But if you are watching telly at the same time and you've got this in the corner of your eye, 
trust me, insane. So, you know, if you if you live in a house where your Christmas tree is in your hall and it's only seen as you walk past it, possibly a bit of gentle twinkling. But, you know... If, a gentle twinkle. A gentle twinkle, but yeah. always warm. Always warm. Are you going to disagree with me? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm with you. I'm with you on the warm lights. Yes. And I, I've got a tip for listeners. If you're buying a new string of lights, so sometimes you want more than one string of lights on a tree, and because this is my biggest tip, you just need loads of lights on your tree. If you, Especially if you've got a real tree and it's really bushy, it gobbles up those lights. So make sure you get loads of lights. But if you buy another pack to supplement... Make sure you buy the same white because I have warm lights and I went out and bought cool white by mistake and you cannot mix the two. It looks dreadful. Um, I just think in terms of interior design, a warm light's always nicer. Um, a cool light tends to look better outside because it, it's just stronger and more striking. So I might put a cool outdoor light outside just because it's got more oomph and then a softer warm light inside and again Kate I'm with you I don't have a flash I just keep it still I bet you have coloured ones do you have coloured ones well here's a question from Paul from where it's Sussex who asks short and sweet question coloured Christmas tree lights fun and festive or cheap and tacky <laughs> I know what you're you know gonna what I'm going to say I'm going to say one person's fun and festive is another person's cheap and tacky <laughs> that's all I'm saying <laughs> Well, I'd be a cheap and tacky. I love, I love a multicolored Christmas light. I, do, I suppose because it's nostalgic. It reminds me of my childhood. We had coloured lights on the tree, and then they all, you know, everybody thought they were a bit tacky and all went a bit posh with the white lights. But I'm, not, I'm still here for the coloured lights. Actually, we had coloured lights. My grandmother had coloured lights, but they weren't the teeny tiny fairy ones. I think they were more, more like a mini bulb. They were sort of candle shaped in different colours and they didn't yeah, flash. Lovely. See, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think I'm going to move on before Walt I Disney. back myself into a corner. Anyway, <laughs> let's hear from Rachel Boone and she writes, The Christmas Table Centrepiece. Do you ladies go all in on the festive tablescape and do please explain why it's a thing when you have to take it off two seconds after your guests arrive in order to make way for the table groaning with platters? I, I so know what you're going to say. I don't think this podcast is going to be a surprise to anyone who's listened to us more than once. Well, I do love a festive tablescape and I do go all out. I just think it's a real opportunity to create a bit of wow factor in the dining room over the Christmas period. And this will be, for me... Fresh flowers, foliage, loads of twinkling candlelight. I might even put a string of my clear battery-powered fairy lights stringing through the centre of it. And it just looks absolutely gorgeous. And I will do it probably, you know, a good week or more before (gasps) Christmas so we get to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I have a big floral display on the sideboard as well. It's really, really for me about dressing that dining room. That's a It's a big room for me at Christmas because I host Christmas And everyone comes around here and I want them to feel fabulous when they walk in the dining room. So I do go all out for festive tablescaping. You see, I won't surprise you to know, have not really. Partly because we don't have, have never had a dining room. So that kitchen table, which is where we eat, needs to be used at all points during the day, not least for the cat to have a snooze on every now and then. Um, So I find that I don't, lay it masses of time in advance because we need to use it and also with two 
now grown-up sons, 19 and 21, and a husband, all I get when I lay the table is, yeah, I mean, that's quite nice, but where are we going to put the food? It's all about the food in our house. (laughs) So, you know, I, I really enjoy the ritual of laying the table, and I would have... a a narrow centrepiece of low kind of posies or a little bit of foliage so that you can see to talk to people over the top. You potentially don't have to move it. And then I might have more decorations round the side, but keep the table in our house. The table's all about the food, not about the decor. No, I think you raise a really good point that if you are going to put things down the centrepiece of your table, that you keep it really low. There's nothing more annoying than a huge floral decoration. You can't talk to the person opposite you. Or if you do have a nice big floral display in the centre, you do need to move it off. Stick it on the windowsill on the sideboard when it's time to eat. But tea lights are excellent for this. Little tea lights and little dishes, like I said, battery powered fairy lights. Um, sometimes even the really tall dining tapered candles can be a bit annoying Um, and things that can shuffle and move around even just little sprigs of foliage preferably not holly because you don't want anybody to find out they're sitting on something like that but little sprigs of mistletoe or ivy as well just on a napkin or next to the wine glasses just adds a lovely touch but yeah I mean I am with UK ultimately It doesn't work unless there's a sideboard for all the food. I have seen a thing, actually, which you've made me just realise. I think it might have been from Rocket St George, but it was a kind of metal frame that I think clamped onto either end of the table. I don't know how long it is. You'll have to investigate that. But basically, you can sit that on the table and you can wind your foliage all around the top of it and down the sides and have things hanging and that way you can keep the table clear for food and have decor over the top. In fact, that's the answer. That's the answer, isn't it? I'm off to, I'm going to get one of those. There you go. Love that idea. Okay, moving on. We had this question from Isabel Mackenzie Price, and I think you can answer this one, Kate. What's the best way to incorporate heritage family Christmas decorations into a contemporary scheme? Any simple tricks? It's an interesting one, that, because the whole point for me about Christmas decorations is that they are nostalgic. They're a bit heritage. I mean, I think there's something so important about the ritual of Christmas and pulling out decorations that you've had since childhood and things you remember, you know, and that that little group of Father Christmases that lives in a cupboard all year and then sits on the mantelpiece. And so I think the point of the Christmas decorations is that they don't integrate seamlessly into your decor in a way because they are about standing out and being different. That said, one of the things that always upsets me about grand designs is that they build these super modern, really cool houses on the outside and then they fill them with slightly less cool modern furniture and there's no kind of tension. So I always like it when you see a very sort of modern glass concrete box that's filled with Persian rugs and antique furniture. So I think if you've got a very contemporary scheme, then automatically bringing in a bit of Christmas glitter and tack and old stuff just works really well so it's not even really a scheme it's just take it out the box yeah there's something about the sort of bonkers kitschness of christmas in a really beautifully contemporary styled home which i really enjoy i so i suppose is about what we're saying is our simple trick is just go for it mix that medley and i think this advice could also be applied to rianne weston who writes Hi, ladies. I absolutely love the podcast and listen to it when I have a quick break from home educating my children. You will be pleased to know you've
you have given me the confidence to make some brave decisions in my house, a converted Victorian chapel in Wales, Somerset. Oh, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Lovely. Anyway, she goes on to say, I have even added a black and white striped shower curtain and painted my sideboard forest green. Nice. My question is, how do you both make home a place for memories to be made? I want my children to look back when they're older and remember home as a safe, comforting, magical place. And I think Christmas is the perfect time to do this. How do I do this without spending a ton of money? I know you will have some fab fab ideas. So, Rianne, I think this is a beautiful question. I love the fact that you're creating Christmas memories for your children. And it's something that I've really taken on for my own son, Arthur, who is now 11. And one way we've done it is to really include him in the decorating the tree and the house. Um, It's something my mum really encouraged me and my brother to do. We used to make loads of homemade paper chains in the run up to Christmas and homemade sort of origami style baubles to hang on the tree. And I, as a child, got a real sense of pride that I was taking part in this sort of big festive decorating marathon in the run-up to Christmas um so I just get them really really involved and like you say it doesn't have to be expensive paper chains papier mache baubles um Arthur's made some lovely clay um Christmas tree decorations over the years and I still enjoy hanging those out with all his splodgy fingerprints all over them and like you touched on Kate it's all about looking back nostalgia happy memories of Christmas past and the kids can be a real intrinsic part of that I think it's also I mean it's it's one of those things isn't it people talk about creating memories and making memories as if it's something you have to set out and do deliberately and I've always always slightly struggled with that idea because if you're just going through your life you're you know the memories happen and the thing I've noticed now my boys are older is it will be that you know you deliberately take them on an outing or you go to the pantomime if that's your thing or the Christmas wonderland or whatever it is and you think you know this will be the memory we're out we're doing the Instagram creating the memories and, you know, you ask them about it 10 years later and they're like, what? No, I don't remember that. But I remember, you know, <laughs> when you bought a Brussels sprout decoration for the Christmas tree and dad refused to hang it. You know, so it's that I, I think that idea of deliberately creating memories doesn't always happen in the way you want it to. It's more organic. So for me, Christmas is about, as I said to Isabel, it's about bringing out the same decorations out of the box. It's about the ritual of whenever you bring your tree in, taking the box out of the attic with the decorations in and unwrapping them and remembering that, oh, you know, this clay Christmas angel, you made it when you were three at nursery and here it goes on the tree again and now you're 20. So just go with it and it will happen. And there will be certain traditions. You know, some families will always go to midnight mass. Other families will always go to the pub. Those sort of markers happen in every family and they're built up organically. And that is where the memories are made. So don't, maybe just don't try too hard because it will come. What are your um, sort of Christmas traditions that build on memories? I think it's, you know, it's almost nothing specific because it happens so automatically that I'm not even sure I can think about them. You know, it used to be. I used to really enjoy having a glass of wine and wrapping the presents on Christmas Eve, of course. Oh, yeah, I love doing The that. trouble is now, somehow there seem to be more of them and you, you need to do it more in advance. So it's more of a like, oh, God, I've got 20 minutes. Can I wrap a few presents and then go back to it? So that I slightly miss that ritual that we used to do. But other people will have a ritual about, you know, baking a Christmas pudding. I'm not a great baker. It's just but... your own little traditions and you repeat them every year. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, let's hear from Wendy Weller, whose daughter is moving out. Hello, Sophie and Kate. 
Right, my Christmas question. My daughter, who has purchased many beautiful Christmas ornaments over the last few years, has informed me that she will be taking them all with her, which is fine because it gives me a chance to start again. And looking forward, we will not have a space for a large tree and only a tabletop tree. So if you were starting again, what style would you go for? We do live in a self-built, modern-ish, but characterful house. Many thanks. I'm interested in that idea of not having the space for a for a big tree because we've always slightly struggled to find a place to put the tree. You know, it always means you've got to move the chair and where are you going to put the chair? Or, you know, this year, as uh, regular listeners will know, just out of view of the camera is a floor to ceiling pile of cardboard boxes um and they they ain't going anywhere before christmas this year so i think i might be looking at tabletop this year although i've got quite a small table so because it's really it's a really good one isn't it because i think it's also another money saving thing because you don't need to buy a massive five six seven foot tree you could buy a three foot tree and put it on a side table i've got some lovely antique mirrored tables which i've done this on and it just sort of raises the tree so that actually you get the you get the full glory of the decorations and the lights at eye level and then you've also got room under the table to pile your christmas decorations presents yeah and presents exactly so this is really great if you're in a small apartment or a flat or you just don't hack because once you've got a tree in there and all the presents it can take up like a quarter of the floor space you know and if you don't have a, a, a large living room then that can be problematic so I think it's a really really lovely story and allows you to be um, a little bit more creative too. Now Wendy isn't the only person who is struggling to find her Christmas style. We heard from Annie Emery who writes we moved into our new home a few months ago and I'm at a total loss how to decorate it for Christmas. We've moved from a typical high-ceilinged Victorian mid-terraced house, I hear you, to a very old timber-framed house with much lower ceilings, no mantelpieces or other helpful ledges to decorate, limited places to decorate with walls and beams, etc. Help! I'm pondering a garland for the stairs, obviously a tree and some table decorations, but I would be grateful for all ideas. Thank you so much. Good question. Yeah, it is. So if you're starting from scratch and you don't have that big pile of decorations that you bring out year and year, how do you decide on your own Christmas style? Well, for me, I think... Christmas is all about pushing the envelope a little bit. So I love to bring it. I mean, obviously, everybody knows I'm a maximalist. I'm more is more. I love all the colour, all the pattern. And at Christmas, I get to do more of it. So I would just really channel what is your personal style? Are you a maximalist who likes things to be quite eccentric and bonkers and a riot and colourful? Are you like someone who likes a more sophisticated, paired back, elegant look you've got to ask yourself these questions so if you're a maximalist well you can go for it with the color lovely jewelry brights work really well if you're more minimal you might go for more tonal maybe silver gold champagne blush pink style palette so i treat it like you do decorating your house isn't it it's like what's your style i think the other thing is you you build things up over time. So you might decide this year you're just going to start while you're thinking about it with a selection of of plain 
gold baubles for the sake of argument and and some fur cones and you know you'll get used to that and then next year you might suddenly feel it for some blush pink or some silver tinsel I mean it just it sort of can't help itself it builds up over time and it's it's interesting because is it a Christmas style or is it just the collection of stuff that means something to you and actually maybe it is really random I mean our tree decorations I have always bought one or two new baubles for the tree a year and nobody notices as I say I live with a house full of men but you know I'm like oh this is my new one this year and it doesn't have to go with the year before it's just something I see that you know appeals to me and you try and remember as it goes on so I've got a sort of real mishmash. Kate Watson Smythe has a mishmash of I mean I haven't seen your Christmas tree or decorations but I'm guessing that it's still quite in your tonal colour palette. Yeah. It's still quite designery and Gigi. I don't think there's only going to be any luminous green avocado tree decorations randomly hanging there, is there? I might have a radio, but yes, I do have some things that are not Christmassy. But yes, that will be in the colours that appeal to me because as we referencing back to the flashing blue Christmas lights, you know, you're going to be looking at it for a few weeks. So it's probably kind of wooden toys and figures and, you know, enamel fairies yeah, and bears and yeah. <laughs> but you know we do what we do don't we well I'll tell you a funny story I got invited by some mums at school for one of these sort of like little festive like drinky nights out thing and uh, we all went to some like crafting shed uh, to make Christmas decorations and drink wine and it was just you know I was a bit of a new mum and it was a way to meet other people oh yes and it's really interesting who, you know, who was making what sort of decorations for their tree? And I would say 99.9% of the ladies at this particular evening were making little clay stars <laughs> and imprinting lovely designs, Very and then putting a nice little gingham kind of like ribbon on it. And it was very tasteful. But in the back, there were just all these boxes of ribbons and glitter. And I mean, I think they're doing kids' workshops as well. <laughs> And like, I don't know, coloured paper and feathers. So I created a drag queen tree topper. Amazing. <laughs> my tree, inspired by RuPaul's Drag Race, my most favourite show ever. And she sits, pride of place, on the top of my tree. And I think my drag queen tree topper really encapsulates my style and my love of kitsch and Christmas. Although I hasten to add, I've never been invited out with this particular group of mums for a drink since. <laughs> Okay, well, on the spirit of you knowing all about my Christmas, what have I got on the top of my tree? Oh, like a like a like a wooden star. Wrong. Do you want one more guess? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, it'll be something really tasteful and unstated. Okay, I'll tell you what I have. I have a very fat, squishy fairy. <laughs> You see, you see, you weren't expecting that, were you? She's about 10 centimetres high and she's like a soft, squishy doll. Right, wow. And she's got gold, gold curly hair and uh, a cream dress and a pair of frilly knickers. And the Christmas tree spike goes up the back of her knickers to hold her on the tree. So, you know, she's she might be tasteful colours, gold and cream, but, you know, she's fat and she's squishy and she's a very... Very lovely fairy. She would have a riot with my drag queen tree topper. We should get them together. Oh, I think they'd have a great <laughs> night out. Yes. They could leave all the tasteful other school mums behind. <laughs> but before we leave that question, I just want to say something I have never done. And I love the idea, the stair garland. Ooh. 
Great idea. Yes. Doesn't take up any space. Looks gorgeous. I'm here for that. What do you do for your stair garland then? Because there's so many different ways to do it. Well, as I say, I've never done a proper stair garland. In the last house, about a year after we moved in, I wound some IKEA fairy lights all the way up the banisters. And I thought they looked so pretty that we left them there for, for quite a long time. And then when it came to taking them off, they sort of tied themselves in so many knots that uh, they never came off. They were there for about seven years until I cut them off. Wow. Um, but I like the idea of doing it with branches and pines. I've never done it. Yeah, it can look really lovely with foliage. Well, um, I sort of twist things up. Last year, I used floristry bows all over my stair banisters, multicoloured, giant plastic bow, floristry bows. Uh, the year before, I used paper balls i have a big collection of paper christmas balls these are the ones that fold out like a honeycomb they're a great christmas decoration because they're big and they're colorful and you get a lot of impact and they don't cost too much money and then yeah i think the year before that i did something tasteful with foliage i'm sorry what you did something tasteful with foliage yeah i did it was kind of yeah one of those where's sophie gone (laughs) where's the producer (laughs) sophie's gone I don't know who's who's popped in here. So uh, basically trumping your really quite pathetic stringing up some fairy lights, Kate. I mean, I think you definitely <laughs> need to uh, up that game. All right, moving on, moving on, because for our final question, we have a very specific Christmas problem from Jeremy that actually extends to all year round. Hi, Sophie and Kate. Merry Christmas from Kansas. We have a very long mantle in our living room that stretches the entire width of our room And I adore the way it looks with a garland across it at Christmas. It's one of my favorite things to decorate every year. But I have no idea how to style it for the other 11 months. Do you have any advice for homes with lawn mantles or shelves and how to style something several meters long without feeling either cluttered or too bare? I love the pod and your voices bring me so much joy. Thank you. I love that. All the way from Kansas. Oh, is that we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto? Oh, lovely, Jeremy. Well, I mean, what a problem to have. An 11-metre-long mantle. No, <laughs> 11 months. He doesn't know how to decorate it. He doesn't say how long it is. Um, but this this kind of brings us back to the mantlescaping from the top of the show, doesn't it? I mean, I think if it's that long... It's very difficult to do the traditional symmetry because a candlestick at either end is just going to get lost. Your eye your eye needs to travel along, doesn't it? So how's he going to do it? Yeah, I mean, I'd almost treat it like a bit of a shelfie. I think you could have all kinds of interesting things in there. You could have some books on there with some really nice bookends. You could have some vases, prop up some pictures. Again, it's the layering, Jeremy, that we were talking about. So create different heights, different depths, push some things back, have a little few things forward, little trinket dishes, little candlesticks. You know, it could be great even just going to your local thrift store. You know, you don't have to buy everything new and pick up some lovely vintage pieces to mix with some modern pieces and cluster them in groups. I think if you've got a very long surface to style, like Kate says, you don't want things too spaced out with no relationship with each other. So it might be a case of grouping a few things, creating different moments along the mantelpiece. And the other thing is, if you have any collections, I appear to have ended up with a collection of of hands. So I've got a wooden artist's hand. I've got a a sculpture of a hand and an old glove model hand. So I have those because my mantelpieces are short. I have them grouped at one end of the mantelpiece with a candlestick at the other. So I have kind of symmetry and height, but they're different objects. But if you have a collection of, you know, whatever it is, small fat ducks or, or, you know, (laughs) stones, whatever your thing is. You can have a 
a big group of them at one end and then you move into your books and your vases and your flowers and everything and then you can dot one of the things from the collection at intervals along so that you are seeing a kind of oh, nice. a, a, a join, a kind of theme running along. So it's, you know, a big hand at the end, a smaller hand and then another hand here or whatever it is. And that will bring it together and make it cohesive. Oh, I love that. I think, Jeremy, what we're saying is have fun, try different things out, move it around until you get a pleasing display um, and make it really personal to you. I think that's the whole joy of mantelscaping, tablescaping. It's about collecting pictures, candles, ornaments, books, objects, photo frames of the things that spark joy for you in your home. It is. The mantelpiece is such a beautiful place to make it personal, isn't it? I mean, when when the boys were younger and you're, you know, mothers of smaller children and parents of smaller children will appreciate this. There's a tsunami of stuff that comes home from school and nursery, primary school, isn't there? And I've made this and I've made that and it's models and pictures and Lego. And, you know, my youngest made a fantastic elephant out of sellotape, which which we had for years until it disintegrated. And I remember saying to one of them once, you know, oh, I love that. I think I'm going to put it on the mantelpiece. And for years afterwards, they would come home with a thing they'd made and they'd be, can this go on the mantelpiece? Is this good enough for the mantelpiece? And it became a little place with a sort of rotating series of of objects that they'd made, which, you know, got to be specially displayed on there. So I think it's a really nice way of bringing in memories and special things that you can move around, as you say, as the mood takes you. I want to sellotape elephant now. That just sounds brilliant. (laughs) Oh, he was lovely. But eventually, I mean, I think he made him when he was about four and obviously now he's 19. All the stick wore off and it just sort of collapsed. I've probably still got the sellotape in a drawer, but it's not in an elephant shape anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So just to finish on, Sarah Jane Axelby wrote in quite a long list of quickfire questions and I added a few of my own and I'd quite like to fire them at you, Kate, just to finish off. Okay. Yeah? You ready? Uh, Yes. Question number one. When to put the tree up? Weekend before. I'm doing mine next week, 1st of December. Uh, Is it too early to put up decorations in November? Yes. I second that. Absolutely. (laughs) Number three. What's your quick fix for decorating a room if you are time poor? Get loads of sort of um, evergreen branches from the florist and wrap lights in them and put them on mantelpieces and shelves. Oh, I love that idea. I'd say if you're time poor, you can even get those trees that come with um, Christmas decorations already hung on them. <laughs> I'm like, who, That's really who time buys poor. those? But, you know, there's something for everyone. Right. Uh, one idea for decorating on a budget. At this time of year, only go and buy lots of lights and drape them all around to just make the lighting softer and more festive. Love that. Mine is paper balls. Uh, what's your favourite Christmas song? Pass. <laughs> I knew you do that. <laughs> mine's, um, mine's, I love that. Um, what's that one, Coming Home for Christmas? I'm coming home for Christmas. Do, 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 driving home. Is that Christmas. Chris Rea? Yeah, Chris I love Rhea. that one. Yeah, love yeah that one. that's a good song. Get, okay. Always gets me in the mood. Right. Best festive scent? Fig, all year round. Oh, I second that. Uh, home or away? Oh, home. Uh, real or faux? Oh, tricky. I Real, but I have often had a wooden faux one. Real all the way for me. Uh, do you wear the hats and tell the jokes? I uh, tell the jokes, don't wear the hats. <laughs> I wear the hats and I tell the jokes. Of course you do. Of course I do. And what's your favourite Christmas tipple? Oh, I don't go in for those kind of Christmas tipples. I mean, years ago, my son said to me, you drink coffee, water and wine. And that's kind of it. I don't really change. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, mine is Bucks Fizz in bed on Christmas morning. 
Of course it is. If you have your own style surgery questions, then do send us an email and preferably a voice note to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. Our next style surgery will be in the new year, so get us those 2023 questions ready. And of course, you can come and find us for chat on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. And over on our Facebook page, The Great Indoors Podcast. Do share your Christmas decoration inspirations with us all. And in the next episode, we will be talking about creating a sustainable Christmas. But for now, thanks to producer Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective and thanks so much to you for listening. And a huge thank you to our sponsor, Anthropology for supporting this episode. And don't forget to use that generous 20% discount with the code SPARKLE. Links can be found in the show notes. Now I know what Kate wants for Christmas, I'm going to snap up that House of Hackney Anthropology vase pretty quick. And we'll see you in the great indoors. And out with the tape measures. And let's go. Ow. attacked by a tape measure. That's an occupational hazard, Kate. I think you should put the props down.